You got a Bible tonight? Well, let's preach a little bit or teach a little bit or do something, share something from the Word of God this evening. And I'm going to have you turn with me, if you would, to the book, the Old Testament. It's three books from the end of the Old Testament to the prophet Haggai. The prophet Haggai. Amen. I'm glad my mom wasn't reading that when she named me. Praise God. <laughs> Amen. Uh, she was watching I Love Lucy, and she liked little Ricky, so that's where the, I think that came from. But Amen. She wasn't, she wasn't studying the book of Haggai at that time. But uh, the book of Haggai, chapter number 2, and I'm going to read the first nine verses, okay? Haggai chapter 2, beginning with verse number 1. And it says this. I'm reading from the King James tonight. In the seventh month, in the one and twentieth day of the month, came the word of the Lord by the prophet Haggai, saying, Speak now to Zerubbabel, uh, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehoshadak, the, the high priest, and to the residue of the people, saying, Who is left among you that saw this house in her first glory? And how do you see it now? Is it not in your eyes in comparison of it as nothing? Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, says the Lord, and be strong, O Joshua, son of Jehoshaphat. Uh, Jehoshadak, the high priest, and be strong, all ye people of the land, saith the Lord, and work, for I am with you, saith the Lord of hosts, according to the word that I coveted with you when you came out of Egypt, so my spirit remains among you, fear ye not." For thus says the Lord of hosts. Notice that phrase, the Lord of hosts. Yet once it's a little while and I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. And I will shake all nations. whole lot of shaking going to be going on. Amen. I will shake all nations and the desire of all nations shall come. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. And the glory of this latter house shall be greater than that, than of the former, saith the Lord of hosts. And in this place will I give peace, peace saith the Lord of hosts hosts. And I want to use for a subject tonight, just for a little bit, um, from verse number three, uh, who is left among you that saw this house in her first glory? And these words tonight for my subject, and how do you see it now? How do you see it now? Father, we thank you tonight for the precious Holy Spirit. We can absolutely do nothing, Lord, without you and without your anointing. And I'm asking you to help me to minister, to teach, and 
to share the Word of God with your people this evening, that you would open our hearts and open our understanding to receive your Word. May it be a word of encouragement for each and every one of us here tonight, and we give you glory and praise in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen. Satan has always fought and opposed the work of God. I think we know that. And he still does today. He still does everything he can to fight and oppose those who are doing anything for the Lord Jesus Christ. We were talking about that the other day. You know, if, if, you're, if you're not doing anything um, for God or anything that alarms the devil, then he's not going to uh, attack or bother you much. But once you begin to or a church begins to, in ministry, um, come against the powers of darkness, Satan gets alarmed and there's opposition. Paul talked about how that he wanted to go in certain areas and doors were open in certain areas for him to preach the gospel. But he said there were, there were many adversaries. He said in one place too, I believe it was the church of Thessalonica, how that Satan hindered them from doing certain things. So de the devil is a hindrance, and I'm not here to give him any glory. He's still defeated, and he hinders and he opposes but he cannot defeat. You need to understand that. He has so many weapons that he uses against the church and against the child of God, and we could mention uh, numerous things that Satan uses against his, uh, the people of God, but I don't think there's any weapon that he has that is as effective as, as discouragement. He uses that a lot and uh, because Satan knows that if he can get you or me in a place of despair, then his, uh, his battle is won. If he can get a believer in a place of despair and discouragement and hopelessness, then he has overcome them or will overcome them. Discouragement is one of the major tools that Satan uses against the people of God. We must always be on guard for discouragement. Amen. And we all know, I mean, we've all been there, haven't we? We've all been in that place where things have happened that have discouraged us. And, uh, you know, we've had quite a week this week and a lot of opportunities this week to be discouraged. But you got to keep on keeping on and keep on going and keep on praising God because the enemy is defeated. We're not about to let the enemy con conquer us or defeat us. Can I get an amen? Amen. So God's people in our text had returned from a 70-year captivity in Babylon. And as they come back to Jerusalem, they began the task of rebuilding the temple. And God had told them that he wanted that temple rebuilt 66 years ago. It had been, uh, it had been destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar and the armies, of the, the armies of the Babylonians. And so they began to rebuild 
build the temple. They lay the foundation. But like everything that we uh, set out to do for God, the work faced opposition. And it stopped. The enemy was successful in causing God's people to literally stop in the work that they were doing in rebuilding the temple. And it remained. That temple remained unfinished for 16 years. Think about that. For 16 years they didn't do any work on the temple. They had allowed discouragement and the opposition of the enemy to stop them completely. That's when God raised up this man here by the name of Haggai. The prophet Haggai. God raised this man up as a prophet of God to begin to preach to the people of God and call them back to to their work. He began to preach to them, telling them to be strong, encouraging them to get back and get to doing what God had called them to do. Well, they began again to build after uh, to build that that temple but after a month they got really into it for a solid month imagine that boy they were on fire for one month hallelujah I've seen a lot of Christians like that oh hallelujah but for one month they got on fire and went back to building but but after a month they became discouraged and they were ready to quit again then Haggai begins to preach to them again encouraging them not to quit encouraging them and telling them to keep on working for the Lord and that's what he was doing in this chapter he was telling them to get back to work to be encouraged to be strong and to get back to doing what God had called them to do and saints listen we know that we all face disappointments that can derail our faith and cause some of us hey disappointments and discouragement and depression have caused some to even quit serving the Lord but Haggai preaches to them and he encourages them not to quit not to give up but to keep on working for the Lord oh hallelujah that's what I want to do as a as your shepherd as your pastor to do everything I can to keep you encouraged to keep your faith strong to keep you built up in the Lord to keep you walking in that straight and narrow way hallelujah to keep you keeping on and working for the Lord Jesus Christ there's an enemy out there there's opposition that we face but we must be encouraged even in the face of disappointments even in the face of opposition we must continue to serve the Lord and to work for him amen when you feel like giving up just hang in there when you get overwhelmed with the problems of life just hang in there God has something that he wants to say to us tonight an encouraging word he wants to give us to keep on working for him and to see everything in the proper light and the proper perspective amen hallelujah he wants you to see your situation no matter what what you're going through or facing he wants you to see it in a different perspective that's what he was saying to this group of people here he was saying to them how do you see it now he was telling them they needed to get back to work and he said how do you see it now you need to see it with a different view you need to get a different
different focus is what he was saying. You need to see things in a different light. Now, when you look at this chapter... And you see the reason, we find the reason why these people were disappointed. Yes, they were facing some opposition, but here's what they did when you study this. Here's what they did that was causing them to have such a discouraging outlook on things. And this is what they did. They focused on the negative, and they were forgetting the positive. I want you to get a hold of that. They begin to focus on the negative, and when you focus on the negative, you forget about the positive. When you focus on the problem, you forget about the promise. Come on, somebody. Amen. I know that's simple, but boy, we got to get a hold of that and uh, learn to make sure that our focus is where it needs to be. What they were doing was they were there remembering the past glory of a former temple. Now they're rebuilding this temple uh, from the ruins that were there. And there were some men there that came back from Babylon that remembered. They were older men and they remembered what that former temple was like. They remembered how it was in all of its glory. And that temple of Solomon was a, was a grand grand place it was it was a it had gold covered walls its splendor and its size and its beauty it was the most beauty it was it was it was probably one of the wonders of the ancient world at that time and these men were remembering all of the beauty of Solomon's temple and its size and its glory and they were recalling how that the glory days were there when the Shekinah glory filled that temple when God's house at one time reverberated with the praises of God. And now they're trying to rebuild out of this out of this rubble, these burnt stones that are there. They're trying to rebuild it. And they're thinking about the way that it was and how it is now. And they're saying, man, it's not any, this is not good. This is not nothing like it used to be. They were looking back at what it used to be and not looking to, to that present moment of what God wanted to do right then and there. How I many is with me? We all face that temptation to look to the past, to go back into the past, to live in the past, to dwell in the past, and compare the past with the present. But I'm telling you what, we have to be careful about that. Amen? We have to be careful about that. Uh, see, looking back, there's nothing wrong with looking back occasionally at the past. That's not all always bad and uh, but when you begin to compare the past with the present it's not good to go back to the past and live there and that's where so many people are at tonight they're trying to live in the past live on past blessings live on past glory live on what they had yesterday how it used to be those were the good old days and I'm telling you what there's some good old days that we had in the past amen we had some good old days down here in the storage sheds. I can tell you about and think about some good old days that I've had in revival meetings across this country. But you know what? 
just because we had it then doesn't mean we can't have it now. God's not changed. God's still the same. Hallelujah. How do you see it now? Do you see God is still the same God that he always was? Do you see the word of God is the same book as it always was? Do you see the promises of God as they always were? Come on. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. It's okay to look back and say, yeah, this is what God did, but we can't live there. We're in the present. We're in the now. we got to look to where we are today and what God is going to do for us in the future, forgetting the things that are behind and looking forward to that which is ahead. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. I was just going to teach you a little bit, wasn't I? You can get so tied up, if you're not careful, so tied up in the past that you have no interest in the future. You can't go back and change anything in the past. You can't put toothpaste back in the tube once it's out. Amen. You can't redo that. What we got to do is what I preached this morning. Get back on that, get back on that wheel and let God form that clay. Amen. But what was happening here, these Jews, these Israelites had chosen to live in the past. And God reminds them that in the past, He was with them. In verse number 4, He said this, Yet now be strong. He tells Zerubbabel and and uh, the high priest Joshua and the people to be strong. And then he says to them, for I am with you, says the Lord. And look at verse 5. According to the word that I coveted with you when you came out of Egypt, so my spirit remains among you, fear you not. So God is taking them. Now listen. God is taking them to the past. And he's reminding them of something that he did for them in the past. He's reminding them of how he brought them out of Egypt. He's reminding them of that miracle. That was the greatest miracle that God had ever ever performed is when he delivered those three million Jews out of Egyptian bondage and brought them out in one day, praise God, by the blood of the Lamb. That was a miracle. And he's reminding them of how he brought them out of Egypt. He's reminding them of what happened at the Red Sea. How that it, the Egyptians were closing in on them. But God split that Red Sea wide open. And they went through on dry ground. And he's reminding them of those things. Hallelujah. But you know what? He had performed many miracles for them in the past. And he still, he still remembered the promises that he had made the covenant that he had made and he was telling them what I did for you then I'm still the same God oh hallelujah Uh, that God that brought you out of Egypt that God that brought you through the Red Sea that God that brought you through the wilderness that God that took care of you he's saying I'm still the same God today that I was then I'm still the same one that coveted with you then I will not break my promise to you I'm going to stand by everything 
every promise that I have ever made. They were sure. These people were sure that the glory days were over. But the God who had blessed them back in the past, hallelujah, was still going to bless them in the present. Even though everything didn't look so good. Even though everything looked impossible for them to accomplish. God said, I'm still here. I haven't left my spirit still dwells among you. Let me tell you something. Abundant Life Church that God is still in our midst and God is still on our side and the Holy Ghost is still dwelling among his people tonight. Amen? Hallelujah. He said, I'm with you. My spirit remains among you. And once more, I will fill this temple with my glory. Isn't that what he said to them? So he said, get to work. I'm here just like I have always been. Be strong and be not afraid. Hallelujah. It wasn't about what used to be, but it was about the God who dwelled with them now. And he was there. He had never left. His power and his glory was still the same. Hallelujah. We need to understand that tonight, that the God of yesterday is still here to do mighty deeds in our life and to bless us. He is just as ready to perform miracles today as he was years ago. The days of miracles are not over because there never was. There never was a day of miracles. We serve a God of miracles. And the God of miracles is the same God today as he ever was. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the same Jesus tonight that he was when he walked the shores of Galilee and he has not lost any of his power whatsoever. He's still a savior. He's still a healer. He's still a deliverer. He's still a, 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 a powerful Lord tonight that can do whatever you need him to do. We just need to understand that. That the same Holy Ghost that fell on the day of Pentecost is the same Holy Ghost that is here dwelling among God's people and filling our hearts and our lives and living on the inside of us. There's not two Holy Ghosts. There's not three Holy Ghosts. There's one Holy Ghost and the same Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. The same Spirit that was upon Peter and Paul and those 120 is the same Holy Ghost that is with us. Oh, hallelujah. How are we going to look at the situation today? I tell you how I'm going to look at it that it doesn't matter what the opposition may seem to be. I know we've got a God that's with us. I know we've got a God that's saying I'll fill the house with glory. I'll make sure that the glory of the latter house is greater than the former house. I've not lost my power. I've not lost my ability. I'm still the same God today. Come on and give him a hand clap of praise. Woo! The devil would have us to believe that God has lost his power. And there are churches that actually do teach that. That he doesn't do miracles anymore. That the gifts of the Spirit don't operate anymore. That the power of God is not for us anymore. Well, I tell you what, they've, they've come too late to convince me of that. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. 
So we cannot live in the past. We've got to, we've got to come to the present. If we live in the past and we downgrade the present, we'll get discouraged and miss the promise and plan that God has for our life today. If we look to the past, we'll forget about, we'll forget about the fact that God has some big plans for our future. See, I'm going to tell you something tonight. I believe this, that our greatest days for ministry, our greatest days for this church, our greatest days for our lives are not behind us, but they are still ahead of us. Oh, hallelujah. I felt that tonight. Amen. They're not behind us. Oh, I like to go back and think about some of the things that God has done for us in this church in the past 19 years. But you know what? The God that, that has begun a good work in us will complete it until the day of the coming of the Lord. And I still believe our best days are ahead. I think we need to serve notice on the devil. Amen. And let him know. We need to ask the devil that question. How do you see it now, old Slewfoot? Amen. We're going to keep on keeping on. And we're going to keep on going and getting stronger and stronger and more of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Amen. And in our church. Amen. Our best days are still ahead. I still believe God saves the best until the last. Amen. So they're disappointed, and that's the reason that they are. They're sitting there, or they're standing there, and they're looking at the rubble and what they're trying to do. And these old guys are thinking about, and they're talking about how it used to be, how it used to be. And so that caused them to come to a place where they gave up on the work. They just quit. They went to taking care of their own homes, their own houses, and they just left the work of God. And they just left the work of God. They weren't doing anything that God called them to do. That first message, I won't take time to preach it tonight, but read this book of Haggai. It's only two chapters. So that first chapter, the Lord tells Haggai to tell them, hey, listen, you all, you, you guys have, have, uh, you're spending all this time. You're living in your fancy sealed, ceilinged houses and elaborate places that you're living in. And you're letting the, the house of God lie waste. He said to them, here was the message of, of Haggai to them in that first chapter. Consider your ways. Consider what you're doing. He said, consider this. You go out and you sow your crops and you bring in a little. You take your money and you put it in a bag with holes in it. In other words, you, you, you think you're making a lot, but you're losing it. Why? Because you're not putting God first. And he said, consider your ways. He got them back to work. They work for a month, then they get discouraged and quit again. God's trying to get them stirred up to do the work he's called them to do. We can't get discouraged. We can't get discouraged. So what was the cure for this? How were they going to get over this? What was going? God's got to have a temple built. And they've got to do it. So Haggai begins to preach to them again. And he tells them in verse 3, first of all, they've got to let go of that past. Look 
you know, forget about the past. Let go of the memories of that first temple. Stop comparing the latter days with the present days. Leave the past. Um, you know, if they're going to accomplish anything in the present, they've got to leave that past. And that's what we have to do. If there's people that we, you know, we can't continually be going back and talking about and thinking about people that have harmed us and wronged us and done us bad. We forgive and we give it to God. We put it in the, we put it in the past. And we go on ahead in the future. Amen. We're marching forward. As Paul said, I quoted that. Forgetting those things that's behind and reaching forward to the things that are ahead. But that not only we forget the past, but listen. He said we've got to look up. Don't look to the past, but where are you going to look? Look up to the Lord of hosts. He said this. I am with you. Verse number 4. He said I'm with you. And notice, says the Lord of hosts. I I don't know how many times you notice. I told you to notice that phrase. But as I read this text, how many times God um, referred to himself to these people as the Lord of hosts. Uh, I think there was around seven times just in this text where God referred to himself as the Lord of hosts. Now, um, what, what is the significance in that? The Lord of hosts. The hosts that God is speaking of are the armies of heaven. When God speaks of the heavenly host, he's talking about the angelic host. I don't know about you. I'm about to feel something here. He's talking about the armies of heaven. Literally, he's saying, I am the Lord Almighty. He is the God of the armies of heaven are the heavenly host. All of the host of heaven, all of the angelic beings, hallelujah, are at his command and at his beck and call. How many angels are there? I don't know. The Bible speaks of an innumerable company of angels. It's what the writer of Hebrews said, that there is an innumerable company. We talked about the other night in Revelation 5 how the, that John said there were 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands and myriads upon myriads of angels around the throne that were worshiping the Lord. So how many angels are there? I don't know. There's an innumerable number, but there are more good angels than there are bad angels. Come on, amen. See, when the devil, when the devil deceived the angels and got them to follow him in his rebellion, he only caused, he only was able to tempt a third of the angels to follow him. That means there are two thirds left that are on our side and there's more than can be numbered. And all of that heavenly host, he, God, our Father, is the commander of those heavenly hosts. No one can stand against God. Nothing can stand against his purposes. He has an innumerable company of angels that are, as the Bible said, ministering spirits that are sent forth to minister for us who are the heirs of salvation. Oh, come on, somebody. 
We do not worship angels. We do not pray to angels. We don't even ask God to let us see an angel. I don't have to see one. If he would let me, that'd be fine. But I don't have to see one because I know from the Word of God that everywhere I go, I've got an angel that's encamped around about me to protect me and deliver me everywhere I go. And so do you. The angel of the Lord encamps around about them that fears the Lord and shall deliver them. That's what the Bible says. There are angels that God has given. The the, the 91st Psalm said that he gives his angels charge over us to keep us in all of our ways. And in their arms they'll bear us up. Come on somebody, lest we dash our foot against a stone. I don't know about you, but I I, I praise God. I thank God every time I get in my car, every time I go anywhere I know that I've got an angel that's around me angels of the Lord that are around us to protect us he God your father is the Lord of those heavenly hosts and he commands and charges those angels to keep you Ooh, hallelujah amen they're there You remember when, you remember when uh, Elisha and his servant were at Dothan. And every time the king of Israel would come against Judah, um, the Lord would tell Elisha where he was going to be, where his troops were going to be. And he would tell the king of Judah, and you know, he would, you know, he would, they just knew. They had inside information. And the king of Israel sent to Dothan to capture Elijah or Elisha. He gets up in the morning. You remember the story? He gets up in the morning. It actually was his servant, Elisha's servant, gets up in the morning and he goes out, looks out the window, he's probably got his cup of coffee. Amen. He goes, he goes, well, sure he did, yeah. And, and uh, you know, he goes and looks out the window, and he sees the, the, the mountains surrounded by the, the uh, I think it was actually the Syrians by the Syrian army. And, uh, man, he gets scared. He runs back, and he tells Elisha, oh, master, alas, what are we going to do? We are in trouble. All the enemy, the army is surrounding us, and they were there, they were there to take Elisha and kill him. They're there to do him in. But but he, you know what Elisha says? When his servant says, we're surrounded by the Syrian host, Elisha says, fear not. Don't worry about it, son. He said, there's more that be with us than there are that be with them. And this guy couldn't figure that out. I mean, he's looking at those mountains filled with those Syrian soldiers and he looks here and there's one two there's Elisha and me that's it and you're saying there's more with us than there are with them and Elisha prayed and said Lord open his eyes that he can see well he 
could see with his natural eyes. His natural eyes were open. He could see the armies of the, of the Syrians out there. But all of a sudden, when Elisha prayed, God opened the spiritual eyes. Let me tell you something. There's a natural realm that we can see with these natural eyes, but there's another world out there, church. There is a spiritual realm, and there is a spiritual world out here that you can only see with spiritual eyes. When God opened the eyes of the servant of Elisha, you know what he saw? He saw those mountains filled with horses and chariots of fire. The angelic hosts were surrounding the city of Dothan. My Lord, hallelujah, hallelujah. There was more with them than there was with the enemy. And I can tell you there are more with us than there is with the devil tonight. We have the Lord of heaven's armies. Hallelujah, that have given his angels charge over us. There's protection. And so this is what he was telling Haggai through the the word of the Lord. God continued to tell them over and over, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, or the Lord of heaven's armies. Hallelujah. See, if God's for us and his heavenly host is on our side, then who can be against us? Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. And that's what he was telling them. Don't look back, but look up and look ahead at what God's going to do. When you get the upward look and the forward look, and that's what we have to have tonight as a church, an upward look and a forward look. Amen. But notice in verse 6, 7, I'm almost done. Can you stand a couple of more minutes? 6 and 7. For thus says the Lord of hosts, there it is, yet once in a little while, and I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. And I will shake all nations, and the desire of all nations shall come. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, and the gold is mine. Oh, hallelujah. The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. And the glory of this latter house shall be greater than of the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place will I give peace, says the Lord of hosts. Here's the next thing that he says to look ahead and go forward. What he says there when he talked about when he talked about, I will shake the nations. I will shake the heavens, the earth, the sea, and the dry land. This, these verses are quoted over in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 26 and 27. The writer of Hebrews linked these verses of Haggai to what he said in 12, 20, 26 and 27. Let me look at that just real quick. 20, 26 and 27 of Hebrews 12. Whose voice then shook the earth, but now he is the promise, saying, 
Yet once more I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. And this word, yet once more, signifies the removing of those things that are shaken, as of things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. What he's saying here from Haggai and in the New Testament here in Hebrews is that God is going to shake some things up. The nations today, listen, the nations today are in a state of turmoil and agitation right now. Jesus said it would be as the waves of the sea rolling and roaring, and that's the way the nations are today. They're in a constant turmoil. Nobody knows what's going to happen next. China's mad at us, talking about war with us. And uh, other nations, there's been some... uh, There's been some fighting with Israel, between Israel and uh, some of those around there. And uh, some bombing and some missiles that have been fired just in the last couple of days. But the world is in an agitation. It's in a turmoil. But let me tell you something. It's It's not... as bad yet as it's going to get. And I know I heard a preacher last night. i got to learn to quit listening to some people because I heard a preacher last night was saying, all these preachers are preaching about how bad it's going to get. Well, it's not going to get bad. It's going to get better and better. And I thought, you idiot, don't you have a Bible to read? Come on, somebody. Amen. Things are getting shaken, and things are going to be shaken more than what they're shaking now. Come on, amen. Jesus Christ is going to shake this world system. We begin to fa- we, we began last Wednesday night to find out about that. He's going to shake it to its foundation. Jesus is going to topple every king and every earthly power, and he's going to rule the world that rejects him today. There is going to be a whole lot of shaking that is going on. Amen. He's going to shake the earth. He's going to shake the sea. He's going to shake the nations. Hallelujah. It's going to happen very soon and he's going to bring them down and he is going to rule and reign but in the in the midst of all this shaking and all this stirring there are some things ladies and gentlemen that will not be shaken there are some things that will remain and I want you to know what one of them is is the kingdom of God God's kingdom is going to stand God's kingdom is not going to be shaken we've got to look up but we've got to look ahead cause there There is a great future for the church. There is a great future for the child of God. Hallelujah. Is there going to be some difficult times? Is there tribulation coming? Yes, there is. There's going to be some things shaken. But I'm not looking, as I said, for that antichrist. I'm looking for the Lord Jesus Christ. Come on. Amen. The kingdom of God will not be shaken. The church of the Lord Jesus will not be shaken. This book that I hold in my hand, the word of God, will not be shaken. The things of the spirit of God will not be shaken. Now I've got news for you today. No matter what comes or goes, if you're planted in this book, if your faith is is secure in Jesus Christ, if you're a part of the kingdom and family of God, no matter what comes or goes, we will not be shaken upon this rock. I will build my church, Jesus said, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. How do you see it now? Come on, somebody. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah, some things are going to shake. It's going to be shake, rattle, and roll. Amen. <laughs> praise God. Amen. But praise the Lord. There's some things that will not be shaken, and we cannot be shaken. Listen what he said. The desire of all nations. I'm, I'm, I'm still about done. All right? <laughs> I lost my place. I got to go back to Haggai. Here we are. Hallelujah. And he said, the desire of all nations shall come. Verse 7. I'll shake all nations, and the desire of all nations shall come, and I'll fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. It's a reminder. What is the desire? What's he saying? The desire of all nations shall come. That is talking about Jesus coming back. Everything's going to be shaken. But the desire of nations, the Lord Jesus Christ, is coming back. This is a reminder to a discouraged, dispirited people. Oh, that Jesus is coming back to take us to glory. You know what? If you'll look up, if you'll get that upward look and that forward look and look ahead to what's coming, not the shaking, but the desire of nations that's coming, that the Lord is coming for His church and the Lord is coming for His people. I'm telling you what, He is the object of our desire and He's coming to set things right. The future, if you know this, the people that know this and the people that believe this, that the Lord is coming back for His saints, these are the people that know that the future is worth looking forward to. When he said that the glory, that the latter glory will be greater than the former glory. They were thinking, how can this pathetic building ever possess greater glory than the temple? But the Lord was saying, the glory of the temple is not in silver and gold. Listen, there wasn't going to be gold walls and all the silver and gold in this new temple that there was in Solomon's. And that's what they're worried about. But you know what the Lord was saying to them? Oh, it's going to be greater glory in this house than there was in that former house. He said the silver's mine, the gold is mine. I could line it with gold and silver if I wanted to. But you've got your mind and your heart and your eyes on the wrong thing. He's saying the glory of this temple is not in the silver and gold. The glory in this temple is not the outward but the glory in this temple is the spirit and the presence of God. He was saying don't focus on that outward beauty but if you're going to focus Focus on something. Focus on the inward power that God is going to give to his people and to his church. That's what I'm looking for today, saints. That's what I'm looking for today. I thank God for a nice building to worship. But brother Bob, it's all worth nothing if we don't have the glory, if we don't have the power, if we don't have the anointing, if we don't have the spirit. Oh, come on. I believe in God that in the
these last days. There's going to be greater glory in his church for all those who are desiring and wanting it to be. All the glory of this latter house greater than the former. What God did down the street here, great. What God's done in the last nine years we've been here, great. But our best days, our most glorious days, our most powerful days, our most anointed days are still ahead for your life and for this church and for this ministry. And God's saying, how do you see it now? Don't compare the past with the present, but look to the future and the glory that God will reveal. Amen? Hallelujah. Let's stand tonight. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I've preached myself out of breath. <laughs> Amen. This is the promise, saints, to the remnant church in this day of apostasy, lukewarmness. Brother Dave and I were talking. He can't find a, a church, decent church in Florida where he's at. They're all geared to this one-hour deal, you know. One hour, get them in, get them out. Got to have a coffee shop in the front. Amen. The the gospel according to Starbucks. That's what we've got today. Amen. I'm a I'm I drink as much coffee as anybody here. I love it. But when I come in here, you can't you can't pick up your latte out there and bring it into the sanctuary and worship God the way God wants you to worship him. Amen. We're not in the business of serving lattes and, uh, and muffins and all that type of thing. We're in the business tonight, ladies and gentlemen, of bringing you into a sanctuary where the glory of God, where the glory of God and the Spirit of God is, where you can leave here changed by the power of God. Amen. Oh, in this day of lukewarm churches, in this day of lukewarm preaching, in this day of compromise, my Lord, listen to me. There's a remnant church that God still has. They may not be the biggest. They may not be the the richest. We found that out in those messages to those seven churches. But I can tell you what, if they've got the power of the Lord the Spirit of the Lord, the presence of the Lord. That means everything. Amen. Hallelujah. Brother Dave was telling me there's churches, big churches he's been to, never hear a message in tongues. There's one little Pentecostal church he's been going to, runs about 30 people in every service he's been there. There's been a message in tongues. There's been there's been the moving and the operation of the Holy Spirit. Oh, Lord, do it again. How do we see it now, saints? How do we see it now? I tell you the way we've got to see it. We've got to see it with the eyes of faith that it's going to be this church that Jesus is coming back to get is to be as Paul said in Ephesians 5 27 a glorious church a glorious church not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing holy and without a blemish that's the kind of church God wants to make us here at Abundant Life Family Church hallelujah and that's the kind of church I want us to be amen the greater glory is coming 
the greater glory is coming. How do we see it now? Oh, I know it's easy to say, well, we're in the time of apostasy and there's a great falling away, but I'm going to tell you what. I'm going to tell you what. Yeah, there's a lot of them falling away, but you don't have to fall away and I don't have to fall away and this church don't have to fall away. We can still have a move of God right here. The Holy Ghost moving and flowing. Spirit of God and the glory of God imparting His blessing to us. How many says I would say I want? That's what I want. I want His Spirit and His power and His glory. I'm looking ahead. I'm looking ahead. Man, I'm trying to, I'm trying to hush. I'm reading a book now, the, a biography on Charles, uh, Charles Fox Parham who was the, the apostle of the Pentecostal movement in the 20th century. The one that brought the baptism in the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues back after it had been lost for many, many years. In the early 1900s, late 1800s, early, early 20th century. But, but listen... There was a chapter that I read in there of accounts of miracles, healings. I mean, powerful miracles, supernatural miracles that took place and healings that took place in his ministry and in those early days of Pentecost at the turn of the century in the United States, Kansas, Missouri, Texas, places that he held great revivals. Every time I read that stuff, I start getting hungry. Amen. And you know what the tendency is to say, boy, I wished I was back then. I wished I would. Oh, that was the great glory. But you know what God's saying? Oh, listen, I'm still the same. I'm still the same God today. I still can do those things today. He's just looking for a people that will focus on him and lift up their heads and lift up their eyes and seek his face. Oh, he'll do it again. I said he'll do it again. He's getting his church ready. He's getting his saints ready to go in the rapture. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. One miraculous healing brought thousands into his revival meetings. One supernatural miraculous healing and scores of people were saved. Don't tell me God doesn't use healing. It's, his, it's a calling card to bring sinners in to get them saved. Let's believe God for a greater glory in these last days. A greater glory. How do we see it now? Hallelujah. Praise God. Let's find us a place. Come on. They're going to sing. I'm quitting. I'm done. I'm shutting up.